Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. So this week we are chatting to Montana Lower. She is a model and an artist. She has a YouTube channel. She runs murals for change, and she is the mum of Beautiful Blue. And we chatted about all things alternative living, living in a bus, her experience with becoming a mother, but we also focused on the fact that her family does elimination communication, which is basically your baby going nappyless from birth or whenever you choose to go nappyless. So, and to be honest, at the start, I was like, what do you mean? You you give birth and then you have no nappy on your baby ever and it just sounded absolutely ridiculous because babies crap all the time, especially when they, you know, just come out. But after listening to her and understanding her way of life, it was so incredibly interesting and I was humbled by the way that she lives and inspired in a way of parts of her life that she does things and she's a very happy, lovely human being so we really hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. I feel like beforehand I was like why put another pressure on yourself as a newborn mum but when you hear about the reasons why they do it their experiences with it it makes so much more sense yeah we hope everyone loves it hello Montana thank you so much for joining us on beyond the bump today hi guys so stoked to be here thank you for having me now to start with tell us where are you tuning in from well I live off grid out the back of Mullumbimby right now but so to get onto this right now I've had to travel an hour going down and up another mountain and now I'm in my best friend's living room while she takes her baby to school and my partner is on a baby chino date with my baby. (laughs) Oh, that is commitment. Thank you so, so much. We didn't know if we were going to chat to you from inside the bus or somewhere else or what the go was. So thank you for the commitment. Yeah. I always say it's like a miracle we've got this far. Yeah. I live say that every day. (laughs) Now we are so excited to have you on today to talk about something that we or well I have had no idea existed called elimination communication but before we chat about that would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and how old your little bub is? Yeah my partner and I Tom have a baby girl Blue she's 10 months old yeah we or kind of long-term sweethearts but short-term couple before we had a baby <laughs> and um, it's just been such a ride having her and the journey she's taken us on. We've moved into a bus and moved in and out of the bus many times through the lockdown period and I guess we're just finding our feet as being a young family treading as lightly as possible while welcoming joy and play into our lives as much as possible. Incredible. And tell us a bit about that. So you were friends for a long time and then had only recently become romantic. Is that what you mean? Mm. Mm. Yeah, we um, 
you know, I had my eyes on Tom and, and vice versa, but he didn't tell me for about four years. We used to like, <laughs> we have these cute memories of chatting to each other while I like traveled to uni on the bus and he was driving to work in a town like two hours away. We were like pen pals in a way. And yeah, we just always kind of missed the mark and we're both way too scared to admit how we felt. And then, you know, one day we did. And so then it was on. And yeah, a month later, we conceived Blue. <laughs> wow, that is really quick. That's amazing. You didn't muck around. You just got straight into it, literally. Yeah, I think we were scared because we knew it was like, oh, okay, here's the guy that answers all of my questions and is all my dreams come true. That's way too good. I'd rather self-sabotage for a little while first. <laughs> and so then once we got together, it was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, we know where this is going. Should we just like do it now? That's right. I've heard that's quite <laughs> common, I think, with people who are friends beforehand. Like I was friends with my husband beforehand. And once we kind of like took that step, it's a bit all or nothing. You're like, I'm making the sacrifice that if this doesn't work, I'm probably losing a friend as well as someone mm. that's a potential future. And you're kind of like all that groundwork's been done. Like I, rec- I think Nick moved in with me like literally like two months after we started dating. I mean, you were already pregnant by that stage, so that's that's nothing, but that was, you know. yeah. And how was your pregnancy? Oh, it was pretty hectic. A big part of the story, which I probably shouldn't have left out at the start, but we decided to be together and then a very short while after he was hit by a boat and was in the position of not knowing whether he could walk again or how. And so our lives got very real very quickly. He was in the Caribbean at the time. I was in South Africa. We flew together and then once he was ready to fly again, we yeah, moved back to Australia and we were like staying at his mum's house because I'd just moved out of my beautiful place in Byron and had nowhere to go because I was moving overseas to be with him yeah so pregnancy started there with like we felt like so naughty like yeah we went from there to like the whole journey that pregnancy is I was sick every single day massively fatigued Tom couldn't work so I had to keep working to support us both kind of too proud to accept any outside help so it was like a bit of my karmic journey to and his too to be like no we can do this on our own and yeah I used to just like work lucky for me my work's online and I would just like be horizontal on the couch all day vomiting and in between organizing my life and in that like process I started two organizations one's a not-for-profit one's a social enterprise and we did up a bus and moved into the bus when Blue was four months old it was pretty hectic. (laughs) So had you already conceived Blue when the accident happened or was it after? after? Just after like literally two weeks after. And so he couldn't <laughs> walk, but he could still horizontal fake He could still get it up. <laughs> he was can't see me winking. <laughs> Did he end up, like, can he walk is what I want to know. Yeah, he started walking after about four months into the pregnancy and we had a little goal between ourselves, really, that he would be walking without a limp because he was, like, limping on crutches, had this massive moon boot on, had full, like, 
basically the outboard motor had cut him like four times on his the same leg. So it cut through nerves and blah, 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 horrible things. And so we had a quiet goal between us that he would be walking properly by the time Blue was born. And now he does. So good. Wow. That's a really hectic, hectic ride. Yeah. You know, being sick is enough and then having your partner also going through something so full on and so unknown must have been, must have really bonded you. I think it's definitely related though. I read something at the end of my pregnancy that, you know, it was more of a spiritual book and it was talking about how when we vomit in our pregnancy, we're letting go of things that don't serve us to allow for the new values and mindset that your baby is bringing. So you're basically like letting go to level up. Both of us have have obviously let go of a lot of shit then as well. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and since meeting our babies, it's like, oh, yeah, I get what I had to let go and meet you. You're like an enlightened being. I'm going to like <laughs> figure out what you're about because you've got something to teach me. <laughs> totally. And how was your yeah. birth? My birth was <laughs> the best day of my life and my partner's as well. And for me, it felt like the final step of initiation into motherhood and it just pushed me to grow and meet my strength in a way that nothing else can do like birth can do. And there was a really big moment that I'll never forget where my cervix wasn't completely dilating and the midwife had to go in and open it. But I felt this message come through from Blue saying, you know, I need you to open up to dad. And if you can do that, I'll come through. And so I had to consciously have this conversation with her like, yeah, yeah, okay, I can open. And I opened my eyes because up until that point in birth, I would, I'd labored with my eyes closed, focusing on my breath, you know, the process. And so then I opened my eyes and looked into Tom's eyes and I just felt my cervix completely open. And after that, it was go time. And <laughs> But I think that was in surreal, surreal. Yeah, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, it's a crazy time. I like when I'm in the midst of it. Don't know that I love it, but every time I've well, I've done it twice, but both <laughs> times, every time, all seventy-five times, uh, the two times I've done it, I like. I actually can't wait to do it again, and that's one of the things I'm excited about. To hopefully one day have another child. Wish so. I could say the same. How did you find the newborn weeks? <laughs> Yeah, for me, of course, it's like a whole new way of being. But, you know, I had such a hectic pregnancy that I think by the time that Blue came, it was like, I've already done all the hard part. And yeah, at the time, we had been evacuated from our house from the bushfires so we were staying somewhere else and so when blue was four days old we were able to move back to our house and which essentially was moving back in so I guess it was stressful in that sense but I felt so high like I was just high the entire time I reckon it took me about three months to come down (laughs) like especially the first month I was just like the most relaxed I've ever been and me and Blue and Tom, we all had time off work and we just like hung out in our rainforest home and just did nothing. 
all day. We ate, slept, cuddled, repeat. I watched some horrible, corny Christmas shows while she was sleeping. Did you say horny I had, like, or my best horny? Friend living next door. <laughs> <laughs> no horny. Definitely wasn't horny. I'm still not horny. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those really annoying like dream experiences into becoming a mum, but I felt like I deserved it after such a hectic pregnancy. <laughs> I do think sometimes when you do have it, like I felt like my pregnancy with Poppy was the same and I developed this like horrible rash towards the end of that pregnancy, which meant I couldn't sleep. So the sleep deprivation of her as a newborn, I was like, at least I'm not sleeping because of you rather than I'm not sleeping because I'm scratching myself to death. Scratching your fanny. <laughs> oh, my tummy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it was your tummy. You had pus. Yeah. Yeah, I had massive pregnancy insomnia, so I was so well prepared for for the new newborn thing. <laughs> it's strange how in pregnancy the last few weeks you just don't sleep. It is almost like something is telling you, you know, you're going to be up all night all the time, so you may as well get used to it now before the baby comes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Was there anything super unexpected for you in those newborn weeks that you wish you knew prior? I didn't know how much babies breastfed. Like I remember, you know, my Google search history from the first couple of months is pretty classic. I actually would like retext my Google searches to my friends who don't have babies and be like, this is the kind of stuff I'm wondering about right now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how much they fed. I remember the first time Blue was cluster feeding, I'm like, something wrong. She has rabies. Like, what is going on? She's like, won't leave me alone. <laughs> so it was that. And I also didn't know how loud they were when they were sleeping. I remember sending a video of her snoring to my sister-in-law, who's a midwife, and I'm like, is there something wrong with her? <laughs> but she was like, no, that sounds fine. I'm like, but you're sure. <laughs> but it's a catch-22 because you're like, I just want you to shut up. And then the minute they shut up, you're like, there's something wrong. Yeah, completely. I'm still like that. I'm like, it's quiet for two seconds. I'm like, where is she? She's into something. <laughs> yeah. And how is it living in a bus with a baby? Oh, it's a lot. It's like as good as it is horrible. I think that like, you know, I'll never forget the copious amounts of times that I've been told the first year is the hardest. And, you know, I have to often remind myself that it is hard for a lot of people, just the adjustment and the constantness and the surrender and the expanding of love in a way that you just like don't really feel like loving that much sometimes it's like so and you know and it's real love so it's like cleaning up after them being completely selfless it's not always it's like honeymoon like oh wow this is amazing it's like oh I love you so I've really got to look at all the hard parts of myself I'd prefer not to yeah so that combined with you know living in such a close proximity with your partner who is doing everything he can to support you, but he's still male. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. But the reason why we chose to move into the bus was to welcome in adventure and play into our lives that where it could be, you know, such a serious, and it is such a serious time of stepping into your responsibilities and 
kind of mundaneness of being a mother and I'm like, oh, if, I, if I'm going to spend most of my time chilling out, doing nothing in a sense where I'm like just looking after my baby all the time, I'd rather do it in a new beautiful place every day. So that's why I moved into the bus. So I feel like it's as absolutely wonderful as it is testing and challenging. Yeah, Fair yeah enough. I get that. But what we're all really, really wanting to know is the no nappy talk. We want to know it all, especially in a bus. I want to know when did you start, what happened, what made you think about it. Let's just talk no nappies for a a second. Can you tell us what elimination communication is? Yeah, I mean, first of all, elimination communication is just... It's exactly that. It's communicating with your baby when they need to eliminate their waste, whether it's, yeah, both pee or poo. Yeah, that that's it. So we started when Blue was two weeks old. She, it was Tom really that motivated us. We'd heard about it. Maybe like, I remember hearing about it at the start of pregnancy and thinking, that's crazy. Like anyone who does that is some hippie, crazy person. <laughs> and then, and then I realized I was that hippie, crazy person. Okay, cool. And yeah, but Tom's the one that really motivated me and because it really gave him a way to connect with her and gave him something to do. You know, I was already doing everything else. So it gave him a way to support us and to connect with his baby. So that's what got us excited about it. And then the next thing that got us excited about it was not having to wash or buy as many nappies. A baby, if you don't teach a baby to go and it's nappy, it won't think that it's normal and therefore will use the way that you've taught them to go to the toilet. So it literally took Blue a day to adjust and she would really what? look forward to her times Hang on the on. potty. Back up, right up. Are you telling me that she was two weeks old in one day and she's sitting on the potty like it's no thing? Yeah, it was inc- it was insane. But we would take her like she it, she would communicate. Like it's not like she'd hold on and be like – excuse me mom I would like to go to the bathroom please <laughs> especially for poos like she hasn't pooed in a toilet in a nappy since she was two weeks wow. old like she's had she's had an accident once like after she had diarrhea but that wasn't like a you know I've had <laughs> diarrhea in my adulthood and not made it to the toilet so it was more like that <laughs> but yeah it took her literally one day to stop pooing in a nappy she was like oh sick way better I don't really like pulling myself so thanks (laughs) and the wheeze are a bit more difficult I'm even more fascinated now than I was before this begun so you were telling me she has had one poo accident in her life yeah but I want to know I want to know how you started this like what what were the cues that gave you an insight to know that she had to go to the potty Like where, how did you, how do you, like, I don't even, like sometimes I'm pissing and I don't even know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally same. I relate to that so much. I think every mother relates to that part especially so much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the poos were definitely easier to catch. Like blues, blue would only really do (laughs) 
I'm going to start saying blue when you say poo and vice versa. But, like, she was only really pooing once a day. So she would, like, start to get red in the face, start grunting. Like, you know, when you're looking at your baby and they're doing a poo and they're nappy, you know, you're looking at them like it's going down right now. So basically when that's about to happen, even if they've maybe already started, you know, Blue gave us a lot a lot of heads up. And they do when you're like, as I said, Tom and I took the first two months completely off and just were at home being like obsessed parents. So that's especially important in the early days and especially when they're so young. But when they're so young, they hardly have any like physical emotions. So when something tweaks, you can pretty much guess, oh, they're either wing or pooing. Not sure what else babies do at that age. Maybe they need to feed, but like, you know. So yeah, it should start grunting and whatever. And if they start pooing, you can just pick them up and very calmly move them over to the toilet or hold them in a position on a real toilet. When they're that small, it's nice for them to have a little toilet or hold them in nature if it's appropriate and just let them do their business and it doesn't take them long especially I think as little girls to realize oh that feels a lot nicer to not have stuff jammed up in my business but yeah another really easy way to identify when they need to go to the toilet is if they're feeding and then they come off and they look a bit like oh I've come off for a reason kind of startled that's a really big heads up for me that Blue needs to go to the toilet. Now that she's bigger, she'll give me a little nibble on my nipple if I'm missing the sign. I'm like, oh, you just need to go to the toilet. And when she turned 10 months, she's now turned nearly 11 months, I watched her walk herself over to the toilet by herself sit on her potty and we teach her this sign, which is like an open and closing fist for like kind of like a twinkle star, I guess, for people listening. And she did that sign and looked at me and weed in the toilet. So she took herself to the toilet at 10 months old, which, so which I am mind blown. She doesn't do that every time. Wow. <laughs> and so, like, how often but, yeah. would she have, like, a wee accident, for example? Oh, like probably four times a day. It depends on how. Right. It, yeah, she still has accidents. She's like, we've got a thing on the bed, like a pee mat under the bed and stuff. We have one on the couch. Like there are accidents for sure. But now that she's getting older, it's less about her. I mean, the whole time it's been less about her not giving signs and more about us not seeing them because we're distracted, which is the curse of being a, a, a human. <laughs> and when you go like in the car or the bus and she's in a car seat, what do you do then? Oh, she she wouldn't go. I mean, she wears a nappy like for emergency situations. Like, you know, if we're outside, she doesn't wear a nappy. But if we're inside in somebody else's house, like sometimes I'll take her on a shoot with me I and I don't want her just like messing up other people's business, especially if I'm going to be distracted. So she wears a nappy. She wears a nappy in the car because it's more comfortable for her with the seatbelt. It's like a little nice little padding, but she very, very rarely will go to the toilet while she's in the car seat or in the carrier because she knows what she's doing there and that she'll be taken out on the other side of the of the trip. And she'll cry if we leave her in there and she really needs to go. So we just stop a lot. <laughs> so it sounds like you have balance of, you know, doing what you want to do at home and wherever you can in nature because obviously that's the way you and your partner are 
you know, that's your way of life, which is great. And then when you need to obviously, you know, take her to certain areas, you you put the nappy mm. on. And do you use wipes or do you use toilet paper or what do you do with wiping her? I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, we just use toilet paper. I ha- I bought a bunch of wipes when I first started, some biodegradable bamboo ones that could be home composted like the eco mum I am but I have found as she gets older like she doesn't really need it she I can just wipe her it's part of our little process I'm like okay baby she she this is how we clean up this is how mama cleans up she sees me go to the toilet I'm like you know mama's doing a she she we call it she she so she it's a thing with words association and then I show her that I clean myself and yeah it's been really easy, but if we don't have anything at hand, I just wash her with like the creek. Like if we're in a creek, I'll wash her there, or you know, the end of my dress. Like <laughs> you just find find some fabric where you can and do your best. <laughs> I feel like wipes would be so much less required as well because it's not like things are smushed everywhere. Whereas in a nappy, they're often like you everywhere. know when they do a poo in a nappy, it's like everywhere. Oh yeah, no. She there isn't even much to poo, uh, to clean up with with poo because it's like when we go to the toilet, we can just wipe her bum with the toilet. No, I wouldn't be cleaning her butt after she pooed with my dress. <laughs> like I love it. I did go a bit quiet there. I was a little bit concerned that you'd be walking around the street with poo poo on your on your dress, but I'm glad you've cleaned that up. <laughs> I mean, surely we've all done it. <laughs> did you feel like following this approach put any more pressure? on you as a new as a mother of a newborn you know there's already so many changes did you find that this put any more pressure on okay so I this is one of the biggest things that people say to us and I'm such an avid believer that as a mother you need to do whatever is easiest for you so if it's making you stressed just don't do it for us, it made it less stressed because my partner could take Blue to the toilet and I could just like chill and breathe and be on my own for a little bit, like maybe like, you know, 20 minutes while she <laughs> snapped one off. Um, <laughs> like I could just chill and it may, and it really made my heart sing to see them connecting so much. So yeah, and I never like beat myself up about it. Like if she has a mistake, it's like, oh, that's fine. Like I bring a towel with me. If we need to clean the house up. We're hardly inside or, you know, in the bus. It's just so no stress. And you got to find what works for you. As I said, we've uprooted our entire lives to live in a tiny bus to be able to spend more time with her, work less, be outside more. There's lots of these other things that have come into play to make it possible for us. Yeah, it sounds like a really beautiful lifestyle that you guys have chosen and it seems like it's working really well for you. So that's fantastic. Mm. you got to do what works for you. Like I just always say, like, I'm allowed. (laughs) Like I'll just severely mess up or do something stupid or, you know, I just don't feel like doing something and I just say out loud, I'm allowed <laughs> and that's it. I give myself permission because it's hard enough. Like we all know as mothers, the mum guilt makes it even harder. So the more we can get rid of that, the more we can actually be a better mum. And, you know, that's all they 
cared about. Yeah, and we had some people who wrote in because we asked on our page for questions and some people were saying, you know, oh, my gosh, there is so much already happening in that newborn period. How could you ever do that? And I think that, like, if the whole thing is about following cues between you and your baby, if you're stressed out, your baby reads that. So it's probably not going to work for you. And I think it's similar with any kind of toilet training. The, the the more stressed you are about it or the more, you know, if you're like punishing your child because they have an accident, whether it's when they're two weeks old or whether they're three years old, it's 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 not working. No, yeah, we can't do that. And yeah, that's that's where the trauma comes from. It comes from the the miscommunication and the punishment and the stress like you know and and constant reevaluation of where you're at when blue was 6 months old tom had to have another surgery that left him bedridden for a month and we were living in the bus and we had one day's notice to and he couldn't like we couldn't be in the bus at that time so we had to like find a place to live in one day in the Gold Coast lucky my family lives there so we moved in with my brother in his spare room but like so stressful as parents to be like on uni holidays is what we called it (laughs) because it felt like we were back in a share house like (laughs) living my old life but yeah and Tom just like lived in his lounge room on the couch and for that time, like usually I'm in reusable nappies for blue and whatever. And I was just like, you know what? Hard enough. Let's go get some nice nappies that are disposable. I really don't care what's happening right now because I got too much on. And the the more moments we can do that and give ourselves permission for joy, the happier our babies are. And the more willing we are to try again when our situation changes again. Mm, I like Mm. it. And at night time, do you use reusable nappies? No, we've actually got disposable nappies for nighttime just because through the night at the start, we only started using disposable nappies after Tom's surgery again when Blue was six months old and it's just better for everybody for as much as sleep as possible because it's been like we all co-sleep, it's been like, two years since I've slept through the night really so again find a saving grace wherever we can and we just found disposable nappies but we get like it's really important I find especially for little girls to get the ones that are no bleach no fragrances no artificial synthetics because as we know our vagina is really open to toxic stuff and it will happens from very young i think of nappies like tampons basically mm-hmm. yeah well um, said. Pads. do you think that it would be possible for a family to do it if they were relying on at some points like family members to look after their child or like if the child was going to go to daycare or anything like that mm, yeah well i mean just like anything in motherhood it's an exercise of communication and boundaries I've heard of you know it's this is actually practiced all over the world in Thailand, China, all over Africa. Um, it's really common practice. You know, disposable nappies have only been around for the last fifty years. So in daycares, in orphanages, like this is something they use all the time. So yeah, and even in Australia, I've had some people write in and say, hey, yeah, we've got a baby who comes to our daycare and the mum's asked us to keep an eye out for her going to the bathroom and EC is something that can be practiced part-time. It doesn't have to be full-time. Like all sorts of 
behavioral learning. And when you have a family member who is, you know, taking on babysitting, we haven't had much of that because we live so rurally. But when we do, Blue's grandma and granddad think it's so great. They're like, I can't, they're like more obsessed with it than we are. They like, can't wait to see the baby who goes to the toilet. <laughs> it's just a beautiful way to connect. Yeah. And it's like anything in parenthood that you are the advocate for your child. And so if that's how you would like things done, then I guess you get people to care for your child who share those same values or or respect those wishes. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, just exactly. now, now that I can understand, you know, your way of life and how you do things and this is your decision and the fact that you mentioned that in Africa and a lot of other countries this is the way they do things, then, you know, it does make sense. And then people might look at us like, oh, my goodness, like they are literally just wrapping their babies up in nappies continuously and waiting for them to be like five to be toilet trained. As in maybe we're the ones doing the unusual yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're the unusual parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cultural differences and obviously a lot of what we see on social media and stuff is exposure to the Western world, but my partner and I both avidly travelled throughout all parts of the world before we had a baby. I was raised in Fiji. It's like really... Part, part of our being to connect to our primal nature and who we are as humans and remember that we are humans and animals and mammals and and that there are many different cultures and ours isn't necessarily, you know, the one that we are living in isn't necessarily the only way. It's actually like one of like a million ways to live. <laughs> and have you had a lot of people not understand your way and reasonings of this method? I mean, it's so funny. We like put up a YouTube video and it went viral and like covered from in all these news outlets. We were being like tagged in all these crazy publications where they were twisting our words for shock value and all spectrums of it. And we, you know, get some funny comments and my baby brain just kicked in. I forgot what we were talking about. It happens that easily. What was the question? It happens to me on the regular. <laughs> Anyone who hasn't understood your, like your reasons for following this method. I think the way that we share and the way that we live can be quite triggering to people in their fear and trauma. And a lot of people don't realize the shame that they carry that starts from when we were children of like, you know, why I I will never forget reading this one comment of somebody, this woman is like, why would I need to feel empowered down there? And I was like, you're a grown ass woman. You can't even refer to your vagina. Like what's going on down there? (laughs) You know, it's that kind of thing or it's like a projection of fear where people can't really relate to it because if you're like empowered in the way that you're living your life, you don't care how other people are living their life because it, it's not triggering you. Totally. And obviously we are a lot more um, feral, I guess, or wild, but it's how we like it. I think there's <laughs> a term that a lot of people use lately and it's you do you. Yeah, and I think, you know, once – to once people realize that what we're doing isn't because we're just like 
trying to be some environmental extremists that we're actually very rational people. Like I'm an engineer and Tom's a builder by trade. Like we participate in the modern world <laughs> and that we are just doing it out of connection and and just wanting to strengthen commu- the communication and connection with our baby and each other and the world that we live in. Then it's like, oh, yeah, fair enough. Like I think whenever it comes to anything in parenthood, if you're putting, you know, your whole heart into it and trying whatever it is and that you're actually passionate about doing things and involving your children and and creating a life for your child it's only a positive totally yeah everybody connects in different ways and I think the more that we can share and share our stories and communicate with each other and and talk to other mothers from different backgrounds and different values the more we can find a middle ground and acceptance and and an invitation to look into another way of being that we hadn't considered yet So everything's scary when we first hear of it, but the more normalized it is, the more approachable it is because the more support there is. Yeah, to be honest, even from this conversation, I totally understand how it is possible so much more because I was under the impression it was like the baby comes out and then a nappy never touches them ever. Do you know what I mean? But it's not. It's like, yeah, it's like if you... Maybe you're a saint. (laughs) Or a liar. Yeah, no. We're living in a modern world, you know. Maybe if we did raise our children in tribes where there was always we were in a village and there's a bunch of mums always keeping an eye out for our baby and, you know, mutual nursing and everything's going on, then maybe it's possible to do that and maybe that's how they get away with it or like, you know, do it in other countries but we don't have that in Australia so we've just got to do the best we can because like yeah we also have to work for a living as well and it's hard to be there a hundred percent of the time even in the most blessed situations (laughs) so my other question is I'm assuming that she will be completely toilet trained and you know you're saying at 10 months of age she's now starting to go to the potty herself and you're not really Mm. having to because I'm in the midst of training Mm. my sounds silly now 18 month old and she knows her you know when she's doing a wee and when she's doing a poo and knows the cues so I'm in the midst of you know telling her this is she she looks at me when I go to the toilet take her to the toilet she sits on it, thinks it's hilarious, but hasn't grasped the connection of actually Ooh, being so in the funny. toilet. Yeah. But I guess that because Blue has yeah. always been in a potty, she has that connection instantly mm. to know that she's got to go there. That's where she goes. Yeah. And I mean, I something that's really stuck with me is knowing that at this age, like Blue is so young and 18 months is still so young that they are still learning every day and kind of waking up with a somewhat fresh mind and fresh perspective. And so even though Blue will like take herself to the toilet sometimes, it's still a process of every day reminding her, this is where we she-she or like doing our little hand signs. Like we do that pretty much every time we take her to the toilet And, you know, I actually have no attachment to when we stop calling it training and it's toilet trained. Like I don't really care or have any goals for that. It's like. When will you stop using nappies? Um, When she doesn't need them anymore. Like 
I th- I think for us when she starts walking it's going to be a different story but she's not walking yet. She's avidly crawling but until she is in a position where you know she's really communicating and can let us know indefinitely like I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I think we'll just grow together and we'll know when that day comes. I don't really mind. <laughs> I think it's like so, even with normal Western nappy wearing, you know, if you start doing that before they're ready, that's just a stress in itself. So I mm. guess you just, yeah, I mean the whole thing's about following their lead, right? So you just wait until that time comes. Yeah, yeah I don't care if we do this every day she, till she's two or three or whatever. It's like I'm not trying to toilet train her. I'm just trying to show her she has another option. So don't. <laughs> don't be allowing yourself for 18 months. That's so chill. I was going to say babies. that's super <laughs> Is that? Yeah. Oh. I just yeah, I, I can't got remember. Still pooping in diapers. Yeah, I, I can't remember, but she's just been because I guess she's got two older sisters. She's and she's so aware of everything, and she walked at ten months, and she, you know, she has interest to sit mm. on the toilet. And she has interest to to see what everyone's bits are, and you know, well, not in public, but you know, at home. And I, you know, if that's the way she is, that's that's her cues for me to go. Well, you know, if you if this is what you want to do now, and especially in coming into summer, I feel like it's a really mm. good time to do free nap time and let her have oh. have like knickers and be a big girl and and go to the toilet and see how she goes yes. yeah totally totally and yeah it is worth mentioning that when we first had blue it was in summer so it made it a lot easier for us I remember winter being so so hard for dressing and undressing babies I don't know how we got through that <laughs> I was going to ask you what your thoughts are if you had like three children under the age of five how that would go in that process would there be shit everywhere <laughs> sounds like probably not you get them involved like you know I've only got one baby who we are well and truly obsessed with but you what I've been told because I've said to other mums that have done it like I don't know how you do it with more than one baby and they're like nah they're older they love it like when I've gone to see my little nieces they're like watching her constantly okay Blue needs to go to the toilet they pick her up they take her over such a fun way to connect with each other and to listen to each other and what we need beautiful it's really beautiful well thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today about all things wheeze and poos and how we can make that a beautiful form of communication (laughs) totally and yeah and you know what that's another big reason why we've done ec is because it's to remove any shame with our genitalia or private bits like as especially as women we deserve to feel proud and empowered in our entire bodies and if i gotta get on the internet and talk about pm poo i'll do it (laughs) well i think you're doing a wonderful thing for your family and you're raising a beautiful little girl so thank you for coming on here and letting everyone else know a little bit about it thanks girls and really likewise thank you so much for inviting me into your community i'm really feel really grateful to be here pleasure thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you you can also follow us on instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes we'll see you next week bye-bye, bye-bye.